Where'd he go, that the young man that was just up here? Did he leave? Austin, how old is he? As he was up here, I thought about my first time as a teenager in my home church. I grew up in a little uh, rural church in southern Indiana. Um, I remember the uh, my first Sunday of getting up to, to preach because I knew that by then I wanted to be a preacher, which is, which is what I did for a number of years, but uh, uh, getting up and and preaching, and oh, I was a, I was a nervous wreck. There was a there was a plant right there by the pulpit, and I think by the end of my sermon, which probably lasted ten minutes, I think I had picked every leaf off of that that plant there. So I really appreciate him getting up here and and uh, uh, doing that. Uh, before then, uh, and, and back in those days, you had Sunday night church too, and Wednesday night church, and and uh, so. Uh, my my parents didn't go, and somebody would always have to take me uh, to church. And I don't know if it was so much about going to church as it was the girls in the youth group, but, you know, that's a different story. We had a, a preacher that occasionally on Sunday nights would, I always sat back there in that corner back in my home church, and uh, uh, would occasionally call us up. Uh, uh, there's four or five of us sing and we always had to sing power in the blood and at the time i thought well he really likes our singing but i i came to realize as i got older that it's because we were always goofing around back there in that corner so he'd make us get up and and sing so we'd have to start paying attention i noticed that there's there is no clock up here so your loss and my gain so uh, i'll just if you see me every once i'm not looking at my text messages i'm just kind of looking at my clock and seeing how long I'm going. You know, when you come and fill in, we're going to be in Psalm 118 this morning. By the way, if you'd like to go ahead and turn to that. Most of our scripture references will be out of the book of Psalms today. But when you come uh, and, and fill in in the congregation, you, you don't know the traditions and the uh, the culture of that church or, or anything like that. So do I wear a suit? Do I wear a shirt and tie? Do I come open collar? Do I wear a pair of jeans? How, how do I go? Because things are so different anymore. It used to be, you know, just cut and dry, dried. You wore a suit and, and that was just the way it is. And so I, I, I hope this is all okay. Uh, I almost wore jeans. I, we go to, uh, 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 we worship with the body of Christians today, uh, down on Berry Road. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, 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 services and we have about 600 people. And so it's large, got a big stage. We use the Park Hill School down there. Uh, their auditorium is, is where we, we worship at and got a large band and, and all that. I really appreciate being able to come here and be a part of, of this because sometimes I get lost in those kind of, uh, worship experiences. And, and I'm awful glad that Johnny called and, and asked me. I do know Johnny from years ago. Uh, Christine, I know from when she was just a little two or three year old girl. I've known her since we attended a church there at Central Christian Church in St. Joseph when we lived over there in St. Joe and her dad was the minister there. And, uh, Christine and my dad became uh, best friends. And so I've known Christine just about all of her life. And uh, I look forward to maybe seeing her. Uh, silence. I saw her when, got to know her when she was real, real young. I wouldn't recognize her on the street today. She's blossoming into quite the lovely young lady. And boy, I really appreciate her voice. And she said this was her first time to lead. Uh, and uh, she did a great job. And I hope her that as well as Austin and the other young man up here playing guitar. I really appreciate when we see our, our youth uh, getting involved like that. So that said, let's go ahead and get into the message today. I really enjoy being able to present 
God's Word. Uh, for a number of years, I was in the ministry. Most of my career, I was in the counseling field. Uh, and on occasion, I would fill in at different, just like I'm doing today, little uh, churches where the minister was gone or on vacation or whatever. So I've always enjoyed this experience. Uh, the last few years, from 2006, into 2006 to uh, early 2014, I ministered at the DeKalb Christian Church and just really enjoyed my experience down there. Uh, you know, people uh, that are in smaller churches, it's, it's just a dip, different atmosphere, and so I enjoy being here today. With that said, let me let me uh, turn our attention attention to Psalm 118. Now, this psalm is a call to worship psalm that David wrote. And you'll remember those days when you had calls to worship and responsive readings where you'd have a lectern up here and, and you would respond to what they, they said. And some of it was rote, some of it uh, R-O-T-E, some of it wasn't uh, by rote memory. Uh, but it, you knew what to say when it was your time to say it. And so this is what this psalm was, was written uh, about. Look here in verse 1 of Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And then the congregation would say, verse 2, let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. And they would respond that way. So this was a call to worship the whole uh, uh, chapter 118 to gather the people, get them ready for worship, get their, get their minds focused on the, the word of God. And then verse 5 here in Psalm 118 is the verse that illustrates the, the reason for personal and corporate worship. So look at verse 5. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The reason we come to God's house on Sunday morning and at other times during the week and in our personal lives is to give God thanks, give God the glory for how he has answered us, how he has come to us. I'm, I'm thinking of Gideon when Gideon was, was on the threshing floor and an angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, Mr. Gideon, I got something to tell you. God wants you to lead his people in war. And if you remember the story, Gideon said, why does God want me? I'm nobody. The angel said, yeah, God wants you. And God spoke to him and said, don't say you're nobody. God spoke to him and said, I'm with you. And so we come to court worship today to remind ourselves that God is with us. David says here, in my distress, God saved me. We come to corporate worship to remind ourselves in whatever's gone on in this past week, whatever's going on in our lives right now, whatever will go on in our life to cause us distress, God is worthy of worship. And God calls us to rejoice in his name. And we come together to remind ourselves of God. We take time out of our week just to come Remind ourselves of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, verse 1. He is good. Verse 2, his love endures forever. So verse 5 is illustrating the reason for why we're here today. This is why church houses are open, for us to come together, experience one another, hear one another's stories of God has blessed us during the week 
how God has lived through us during the week. Hear one another's needs. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It goes on to say, tell us to encourage one another. That's why we come into God's house. So Psalm 118, that is a call to worship, is our call to respond to God for who he is. Respond to God. Look at verse 21 in Psalm 118. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Psalm 118 exists to remind us throughout the week, culminating on Sunday morning, of God. To remind us of God. To remind us of our commitment to God. To remind us of God in us. God with us. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Verse 21. Praise God, because He answers us. He is the author of our salvation. That's why we come into God's house, is to experience God, experience one another, and that that is our model for during the week in our personal worship, coming together on Sunday morning to worship God for the purpose of understanding His mercy, His love, understanding Reality of him with us, understanding the reality of the salvation that he has brought to us to understand God. And then verse 24, this is the meat of the message this morning. Verse 24 announces the immediacy of worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. David writes elsewhere, I rejoiced when they said to me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Is that, is that how you felt this morning when you got up? Uh, maybe not. Oh, I gotta get up and go to church. David said, I rejoiced when they said, come, let's go to the house of the Lord. And when we come to understand the call to worship of Psalm 118, that it's about identifying God as the author of our salvation, identifying God as the one who sticks with us, identifying God as the one whose mercies endures forever, that causes our joy. That causes our rejoicing. That causes that causes our wanting to be here. Not some routine, not something that we just do on every Sunday morning because we feel like we need to do it. We do it because of the immediacy of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Now turn over to Psalm 130 or Psalm 33. Go backward to Psalm 33 if you would. Uh, this, this Psalm, uh, helps us understand why we we rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 33, verse 31. By the way, that's another thing when you come to another church house to worship with God's people. Well, what version are they used to? New International Version? King James? New King James? Which is what I'm using this morning. So if if you guys, most of you use New International Version, uh, I may, the words may be a little bit different, but the meaning's the same. I'm also going to use uh, the Message Bible this morning. Uh, because sometimes that just drives 
home, the impact of what the word is in our modern uh, thinking, uh, culture, and language. But look at Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise for praise from the upright is beautiful. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Who can rejoice in the Lord but the righteous? If we're not living a righteous life, a right living life, it's very difficult to rejoice in the Lord because we are no, we know that we are at odds with God's word. We are at odds with God, so it's kind of hard to rejoice uh, in him when we know we're on the outside looking in. Now, if you're like me, I'm always on the outside looking in because I'm a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so that's why I can rejoice in the Lord. God has made me righteous through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to Psalm 33, 1 in the Message Bible. Good people, cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising. Good people, cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising. Isn't that true? Do you pray daily? God, give me the words. Let the words of my mouth be be beautiful to you, be praising to you. I drive to work about 5 o'clock every, every morning uh, on my way to work. That's always a prayer uh, in my thoughts and on my lips as I drive to work. God, don't let me say anything stupid today. Don't let me say anything that doesn't glorify you because uh, you know how that office gossip, that workplace gossip, that lunchroom gossip, all that kind of stuff can take place. Or we kind of want to gang up on one coworker or whatever it is. Upright people rejoice in God and let the words of their mouth uh, do the praising of God. So I, that's my prayer for myself every day is that, God, I'm upright, and that, God, the words that come out of my mouth are words that are praising to you. Right living people sound best when praising. So now when I read uh, Psalm 118, verse 24, let's refresh our memory on that. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I see three attributes of the upright, of people seeking to live an upright life. That just doesn't mean a good moral life. That means a righteous life before God, living a life in God's view that is pleasing to him. So I see three attributes here of individuals seeking to live a life that is pleasing to God. First of all, what I see here in, in, this, in this verse as a part of the larger context of chapter 118 is that the upright recognize the gift of this day. The upright, the upright recognize the gift of this day. God is the creator and the originator of today. God says, uh, don't obsess over yesterday. Yesterday is gone. God says, don't worry about tomorrow. God tells us to live in the now because that's where he guides us. That's where he leads us. Because when we obsess with the mistakes that we made yesterday, we can't rejoice in God. 
When we obsess about what's going to happen tomorrow, we can't rejoice in God. But when we focus on God today and Him in our life, the mercies of God, the salvation of God, it guides us into upright thinking, recognizing that the gift of this day is from God the Creator. Turn back with me, if you would, to the first psalm. Psalm chapter 1. The upright who recognize the gift of day meditate on the things of God. Psalm chapter 1, the, uh, the psalmist is telling us about what the righteous person, the behavior of the righteous person. The person who seeks to live an upright life, David says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, thinking about the things of God. A person seeking to rejoice in this day that the Lord has made meditates on the laws of God. Now, sometimes we can think of the law of God as being restrictive. But Jesus says, you know what? I've come to give life, and I've come to give it fully. I've come to give it abundantly. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but through the law you'd be set free. You see, the law is good for us. Some people want to call it restrictive. Some people want to say that it's too binding. But when we look in the context of God's Word, when we meditate in the context of God's Word, we see that His Word teaches us upright living, right living, and the ways to be able to rejoice in this day. I work with about 150 other people, mostly guys, and I'm out on a production floor uh, now, uh, and and uh, I've never been in that environment before, uh, but I am now, and it just breaks my heart to see what I see. You know, when you're when you're in a suit and tie job most of your life, and you're in administration in an office uh, like I've been, uh, whether in the ministry or in in the the upper levels of of management and mental health. Uh, although you see a lot of pain and hurt and suffering, uh, I've, I've seen in the last two years a whole new world that's opened uh, my eyes, and I see the pain out there. And yet people that don't realize they're in pain, just like Austin prayed this morning. He prayed, you know, God, there are some people that don't even know the healing that they need. And I see that. And there's some other Christian men that we get together uh, with at work, and, and we talk about the things of God. And we pray for uh, these people that we work with, that, that their life is just, it's about nothing. They are consumed with their nothingness. And they can't rejoice in the things of God, or they won't rejoice in the things of God. You pray for people, too. Pray for people that their eyes would be open. Uh, some people view me as being, uh, although I don't preach at work, don't carry a big Bible or anything like that, they, they, they actually pity me because they believe that I'm bound up in, in all these laws. And I'm trying to teach them there's freedom. There's freedom in Christ. Rejoice in this day. Let your heart be glad in it. So upright people, Recognize the gift of this day. Psalm 119, 
verse 27. Psalm 119, verse 27. If you want to turn to that, you can. I'll go ahead and read it. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. The upright who recognize the gift of the day seek God's leading. Look what the psalmist writes here. Make me understand the way of your precepts, seeking God's leading. Why? So I shall meditate on your wonderful works. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So the upright recognize the gift of this day by meditating on God and the things of God. Secondly, the second thing I, I, I attribute that I, that I see here in verse 24 is that the upright who rejoice seek to discover what rejoicing involves. Again, verse 24, rejoice in the Lord. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The upright who rejoice seek to discover what rejoicing involves. Now, this, some of my psychologist backgrounds are going to come out here. Seeking to rejoice, what does that mean culturally, emotionally, socially? Uh, look at verse, look at chapter 117. This is the shortest of all of all the psalms but it has a it has a great impact praise the lord all you gentiles laud him all you peoples for his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the lord endures forever praise the lord the upright who rejoice seek to find out what does it mean to rejoice culturally emotionally and socially in the Message Bible, Psalm 117 reads this way. Praise God, everybody. His love has taken over our lives. God's faithful ways are eternal. Hallelujah. Praise God, everybody. His love has taken over our lives. Praise God, everybody. His love has taken over all of our lives. So to rejoice is to is to discover what it involves. What had, does it mean for God to take over our lives culturally, emotionally, socially? What does it mean for God to have taken over our lives completely? We recognize that God's ways are the right ways. God's ways are eternal. God is faithful in all of his ways. Look at verse 8 of chapter 118 again. You're right, should be right there on the same page. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So what does that mean to rejoice in God, recognize this day, <coughs> excuse me, recognize the purpose of the day culturally, emotionally, socially, is everything we do is structured around God. What is God's purpose for my life? What is God's meaning for my life? How does God lead me in this? Praise God, everybody. His love has taken over our lives. <coughs> when we see 
as ones who rejoice in this day, rejoicing because God is the originator and creator of it, when we see that God uh, has given us this day, then we see it from a different perspective. We see everything through God's lens, through how God wants us to live, how God wants us to lead, how God wants us to love. Because God's ways are faithful. We read here his mercy is, is great toward us, that his love endures forever. So the attribute of the upright, the attribute of those who seek to for right living before God, understand they're filled with God. Understand that their viewpoint, their view, worldview is different than that person whose life is not filled with God. The third thing that we see here is the upright are glad in the day. Now look at Psalm one, at Psalm 16. Turn all the way back. You gotta go back, back about a hundred chapters from where you're at. Psalm 16, and we see that, that, that gladness of heart is, is following God. I will be glad in it. Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. So the third thing, first thing, recognize the gift of the day. Rejoice in, in discovering God's leading. Rejoice in what, uh, uh, following God, the love of God filling our life, what that means culturally, emotionally, socially. And then finally, the upright Glad in, in the day. It doesn't matter what the weather's like out there. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. We are filled with gladness of heart. Why? Verse 8, because we set the Lord always before us. Now that doesn't mean we're always happy. That doesn't mean that, that, uh, we're, we're, we're naive. That doesn't mean that things always go right for us. As a matter of fact, I just want to take time right now and ask somebody in this room today to stand up and tell me that every day in your life has gone right. Be the first one. Then others will follow. Yeah, I didn't think so. But you know, as Christians, that when we follow the leading of the Lord, we can still rejoice. We're not always happy. But it's that understanding that God is before us that causes us to rejoice. I think about Christians in other parts of the world today that are being beheaded, that are being tortured, that are having their children killed right in front of their eyes uh, if they don't renounce Christ. And yet they can still rejoice. You see, our American Christianity is one that it's all about prospering as Christians. It's all about getting more as Christians. When I open up God's word and I don't see that at all in there, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. You know, the birds of the air have nests and the foxes have holes in in the ground, but the son of man has no place to, to lay his head. Jesus calls us to a life 
of sacrifice. Jesus calls us to a life of full commitment. That causes us to rejoice in the day because we're able to let go of the burdens that hold others back. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. What does gladness of heart look like? We reflect that externally from what is internal. Finally, turn to Matthew chapter chapter 28, verses 19, 20, and you all know this by heart, but we're going to turn to it anyway. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, last chapter of Matthew. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is Jesus speaking. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God stoops down to us in our weakness. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Of the age. God stoops down. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 teaches us to articulate and then demonstrate the gospel. As you go, we read here the words of Jesus, make disciples, demonstrating by our life, demonstrating, demonstrating that we are ones who rejoice in the day. And that we are ones who are glad in it. So let me conclude with this today. What, what you believe about the second coming of Jesus Christ determines how you live your life. If you believe that Jesus is coming again, you'll live your life as one focused on that. Caring about those who don't have Christ. Living your life in the way that Christ has instructed us to. Make disciples. Teaching them to observe all things. If we believe that Jesus is coming again, we will believe, we will be about that business. What we think of Jesus coming again determines how we live our life. Determines how we pray, determines how we speak, determines how we do everything because we allow God to lead us. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What we believe about Jesus coming again will determine how we live our life will determine what we focus our life on. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Would you join with me in prayer? God, we're so thankful for your love. We're so thankful for your word. God, we're so thankful that we can rejoice in this day. We're so thankful for the peace that passes all understanding through Christ. So when we walk out these doors this morning, after having come together for corporate worship, we walk out here still with the burdens of the day, still with the worries of the day there. But we know we can walk out rejoicing because you are leading. 
We praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to tell you this. God extends an invitation. Jesus said for us Christians to go out and teach. Go out and make disciples. But he didn't say go out and just get people in church. Jesus said go out and make people understand what the word is. John 3.16, we all know that. But we fail to always to memorize John 3.17. For Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. A lot of times we get so busy condemning the world that they don't want the salvation that they see in us. If you're not a Christian this morning, let me tell you this. Jesus is freeing. When we come to understand what it means to rejoice in the day, to rejoice in Jesus Christ, that's freeing. It has nothing to do with a set of rules, but it has everything to do with a relationship. Thanks for letting me be here today.